everybody, this is Heidi of Vibrant Visionaries, and soon you're going to be listening to a wonderful conversation I had with DC Pearson. But before that, I wanted to take a minute to remind everyone that we're going to be starting this Parks and Recreation rewatch together and kind of explain what that meant. And this will just take a minute or two here. I really wanted to spend some time over the next couple of months re-watching one of my favorite shows, so I wanted to invite everybody to watch along. And a few people have asked me, you know, what does that re-watch mean? Are we going to be all, you know, watching exactly at the same time? Are we going to be having watch parties? I'm not going to make it that complicated. I'll basically assign you a few episodes at a time or so. We'll watch them, and then the next episode of the podcast, we'll be talking about those episodes. Uh, And then every once in a while, because there are seven seasons, you know, we might spend one episode talking about something pivotal that happens in the series. So speaking of pivotal things that happen in the series, Thursday, April 30th, NBC is hosting a very special parks and recreation charity special. So for one night only, there's going to be a half hour brand new episode. Tune into that. That's your first assignment. Your first assignment is to watch that special on Thursday, April 30th on NBC. I don't see a time listed yet, but it's going to be for charity. So it'll be to help feed America. This is something that we're going to be able to all experience together. Brand new content, perfectly timed. So the next uh, podcast episode of Vibrant Visionaries, we're going to be discussing the first three episodes of the first season of Parks and Recreation. It is not the best season, but it's still funny. I think you will get the gist of why I want to watch it. But if you are a new watcher and you're like, hmm, these are kind of okay, just stick with it. It gets way better at season two. They really went back to the drawing board at season two. The first season, which is only six episodes, which is only about two hours and 12 minutes or something like that, you're really just getting your feet wet and learning about the town of Pawnee and and its inhabitants. I also wanted to shout out two brand new Patreon patrons. So welcome Samantha and Tierney. They are in the Discord channel now and they are supporters of the podcast and I really appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for supporting me as a independent podcaster and for joining the party with us. So if you're interested in joining Patreon or joining my newsletter or connecting in other ways, just check out the show notes and I'll have links to all of those. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to Vibrant Visionaries with Heidi Bennett. This is the podcast where I speak with vibrant visionaries, people who are multi-creative, multi-passionate, folks where, you know, one little elevator pitch doesn't explain what it is that they do. And I'm really excited to have somebody on who is someone I've admired from afar (laughs) through podcasting and also from TV and film and such. So my guest today is author, comedic actor, and podcaster, D.C. Pearson. Welcome, D.C. Thanks. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's funny to hear podcaster added to the list. It's pretty, pretty new for me. So uh, I think that's the first time hearing it out loud. I'll take it. (laughs) Awesome. So yeah, I actually can't recall exactly when you hopped on my radar. Uh, I was doing what good podcast hosts do, which is doing a quick little IMDB refresher check and going like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> comedy bang bang, key and peel, N-T-S-F-S-D-S-U-V. <laughs> and of course, later on, Captain America, Winter Soldier, which I definitely, uh, that was a wonderful, quick, but very impactful section of that of that film (laughs) (laughs) but also on yeah the gilmore guys podcast and the x files files which is one of my favorite me too ones that i you know always fantasize about oh is it ever gonna restart but who knows (laughs) so yeah i'd already had you in my head as a as a podcast guest of course but now you have a new podcast so that was one of the reasons i i wanted to have you on as well would you like to share what your new podcast is all about? Yes, absolutely. Um, It is called Stay for Dinner, Uh, the sort of subtitle that I can't decide if I will keep or jettison is um, 
a podcast of cooking, curiosity, and conversation. The premise, at least of the first few episodes, is that I uh, make a dish and I, I do it live, or not live, but like I do it like on the show. I basically record myself narrating, kind of making the dish and go through that. The idea being that people could maybe cook along at home if they wanted to. I have someone over, basically time it out so that a guest comes over right around the time that I am theoretically finishing the dish. Although there's definitely been a little bit of, been a little bit more flexible than I would, I would like it to be. I'd like to think I'll be getting that more dialed in. Sure. But, um, uh, and then we sit down at the mics, we eat mostly off mic. Um, as I like to say, the, uh, feed of us making gross, gross chewing noises, that's a separate thing that you have to pay for. <laughs> uh, then we just talk about, you know, a little bit about the dish and just kind of like if it sparks any sort of ratatouille moments for people or memories or thoughts or associations. And then we mostly go into just talking about memories around food and the sort of like central question of the show is like, where does cooking, you know, fit in or not fit in with your life at the moment? I'm ex extremely enthusiastic about home cooking. I have been for several years, but I think what is true about um, a lot of people is that cooking is very complicated and it's loaded and it's emotional and it's also sort of time consuming and it's related to all these different things. So you might be really into it at one point in your life and then you might not be for a while or it just might not be making sense for you at the moment or you might be somebody where you just straight up don't like it and you never have and you can't ever see yourself liking it. And I want to kind of have space in the show for all of those different types of, you know, different types of guests who feel those different ways and also different types of listeners who feel those different ways because while there's so many people out there that feel passionately about it, I think kind of a primary goal for it that I have in my head is I want somebody to be able to start listening to it skeptically almost and just kind of go, well, I don't really even like cooking. I might just get through the part where he cooks and, and get to the guest that I might like. And then hopefully kind of um, incept the idea that like, wait a minute, this is maybe something that I can do or that I can try, even if I don't see myself as somebody who cooks. I think I was in that place for a long time. I was not somebody who, who ever thought that I would like it. I just thought, oh, I'm not that person. And when I find myself thinking like, I'm not the kind of person who X, I, I, I kind of try to break that down for myself. I don't, you know, I, I don't think it's a super healthy way of thinking. And it also kind of doesn't allow us to grow necessarily. So that's, that's the, the talk about not an elevator pitch version right, of, right. The, of the joke. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great. And I like you pointing out that I'm not the kind of person who X because in coaching, I'm a coach for uh, creatives. And and uh, one of the topics that we talk about is is language. And, you know, or some people like one way you can talk about it is, you know, mindset. But that would be like black and white thinking of I never this or I always that. Yeah, that can be a real limiting. Yeah. Thing because yeah we are, we're always changing and evolving and certainly I think it is important to know what you're not interested in. It can be very healthy to set boundaries that say that's not an interest of mine right now and no thank you you know do something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah it can be if you sort of get into that steadfast like the other day actually food related. I um, did something real wild and crazy. Ooh. I ordered an In-N-Out burger and I decided instead of replacing their special sauce uh -huh. with mustard, which is what I usually do, I decided mm. to just get it with their regular, mm. you know, their sauce mm -hmm. because my palate has changed. <laughs> it's always <laughs> evolving. And I thought, yeah. you know what? This sauce is actually great. And it works really <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh my God. I haven't had one of those in a really, I haven't had one of those in, I mean, feels like a really long time right now just because I'm going, oh, when's the next time I'm going to have in and out or that's going to make sense. And uh, so it, oh man, I, oh, I love it so much. I love the sauce, but uh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think that's, I think that's great. I think it's good to sort of like be checking in with yourself and going like, okay, I sort of decided like I always get the blank but I maybe decided that when I was a different person. I think that's cool to kind of like check in with those assumptions. 
Oh my gosh, this just reminded me of something from... I'm getting in my way back machine to the sure. <laughs> back into the I'm gonna say is it late 80s or early 90s I can't even remember I lived in Sacramento and my boyfriend at the time was uh, Vince DeFiori who later and now is in Cake. Oh wow! <laughs> I was uh, you know I was a young person in my 20s who was mm-hmm. a music snob like most <laughs> you know hip music people are in their 20s in in the sure, in the 90s sure. and um he really liked foreign no not foreigner what's the band i'm thinking of oh my god i'm totally drawing a blank journey journey yes thank you i'm so glad we were able <laughs> to connect the dots from there he really liked journey and he had a record player and mm-hmm. put journey on and and for me that was just like no i listen to alternative music i listen to right. you know post punk this and i like husker do this isn't what i'm supposed to <laughs> but <laughs> as a partner i was able to sit and listen and go okay i i understand what the um you know the appeal is to this and so it didn't make me a journey fan but i could understand their you know what it was he liked about it and kind of be a journey adjacent person (laughs) (laughs) he was kind of like almost ahead of his time in some ways i feel like i definitely that is kind of broken down a little bit or just as time goes by you sort of think oh the music that seemed so sort of like when it was around the lines seem so sort of like you either like this kind of music or that kind of music. As um, a friend of mine's mom said, she said, my friend Maggie, she said her mom said about like, you know, some song that came on the radio from when she was growing up. She said at a certain point, Maggie, it's just that you were there. Right. right. <laughs> and I've definitely found that to be true. Even hearing music from like my teenage years that at the time I was like, that sucks. That's for this kind of person or that's for jocks or whatever. And now going like, Oh, that I just, I'm just like, yep, I was there. I remember it. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think too, like the older you get and the more you explore the origins or the influences of some of your Mm -hmm. favorite artists as Mm -hmm. you go, Oh, okay. So I like X and X also listen to old blues and old country and old this and all that, or, Oh, the, you know, the Ramones were really influenced by very, most people know this by now, but, you know, very pop music or some doo-wop or girl groups and stuff like that. And so you start to understand that lineage and then you can soften that. And, uh, you know, but when you're younger, you're all about like, this is my identity. <laughs> this yes. is, yeah, right. I'm supposed to like certain things and hate certain things. So again, yeah, that goes back to that black and white, rigid thinking. And <laughs> it's a lot more fun where you can just go, oh, cool. I don't care so much about being so rad, so hip. So yes, it's just a lot more fun, fun to enjoy. Yeah, I definitely, absolutely. I've definitely realized in the past few years, you know, getting a little bit older and sort of going like, oh, I think I still have like, cause I, you know, I went to college in New York in the like 2000, you know, like the mid 2000s basically. And I was realizing like, oh, I think, and I used to like read, you know, pitchfork all the time and stuff like that. And I was kind of realizing like, oh, I think I still have a like mythical, like fictional guy who like lives in Brooklyn and is super cool. And is just like a cool guy from the mid two thousands who maybe writes for pitchfork, like in my head, who, when I'm like listening to this music or that music or whatever, is sort of going like, see, that's cool. And that's not cool. Or that's kind of like in the sphere of what's acceptable to like, and what's not. And I realized like, I don't super listen to that fictional person in my head a lot, but it's still there a little bit sometimes, especially if I'm not even just listening to stuff on my own, but if I'm sort of like publicly going like, I like X or I like Y, that person is still a little bit there going like, are you sure? Are you sure that's cool? And I realized like that person, if they ever existed, I never met them. I didn't know them. They had no relation (laughs) to my life. And now if anything, that person that I'm imagining is probably like in their, you know, forties or fifties. And if they're still hanging on to that, whatever, they have probably found their own tastes like shifting or growing or whatever. And if they haven't, then they're a loser because that sucks to not want to evolve, you know, over, over time and just kind of stick with like, nope, this is what I always liked. And I think like, 
it's very tempting to do that. And I understand why people would want to like the music that they liked when music meant the most to them and go like, that's what I like. But I also think like, yeah, it just kind of sucks to, to stay in that. And when I find myself being tempted to do that, I try, I really actively try to go like, you got to like open up a little bit and try to like other stuff too, I think. And not just go like, that was the, objectively the best. Right, right. It's kind of like when you see a no shade to anybody who's still wearing you know, wallet chains, but I remember at a certain point <laughs> sure. looking around and going like, huh, so some of my friends are still wearing wallet chains. And that's interesting. Is that like a, a certain attachment to a certain time? You know, like they say, you know, sometimes people stop changing the way they look right at a point where maybe they were the most popular or felt mm. most in their skin or most like together or something. And so that that's another thing that's interesting, but all of that evolves and changes as you get older. But yeah, as like, as a Gen X person myself, I'm like, I definitely went through, I was in a swing band and I was in R&B soul bands and all these different bands like there's certain things that you might wear on stage and then right. off stage and all these different things and then yeah as you get older as far as what you're listening to or how you're dressing it just hopefully yeah you just go like oh this is just kind of my thing you know this is how I look and it's not it's not like I'm standing for this specific identity and it's so important to me but it just becomes you become more comfortable in your own skin and and to bring it back to food and, and you using the, the word curiosity for your podcast mm -hmm. for stay for dinner. Like I, I think, yeah, that serves you very well because you, you can be curious with music and even as recently as last year, like I put out a newsletter and said, hey, I'm really into Beyonce's movie that's on Netflix and um, Lizzo. And those are like two of the most popular people in the whole world right. right now. But I didn't feel any shame about like proclaiming that two of the most world renowned performers are also two of my favorite people that I'm enjoying at the moment. Yeah. Who was that, younger, I would have been like, right. it like oh, God. something so alternative yes. that yes. nobody's heard of it. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, totally. I completely know what you mean but it's also like look at a certain point like not everything that's you're not going to like everything that's super popular all the time and sometimes things are popular just because they're right down the middle of the road but other times things are popular because they're amazing and un undeniable um and that's really cool when those things it's like the difference between going like oh man everybody found out about beyonce <laughs> <That sucks. laughs> and going like wow great it's really cool that somebody's so incredibly talented and hardworking and visionary can find such a huge audience for their thing is so cool. It's neat when those things kind of line up. And I'm sure there's so many bands or people out there who would, who I think like go like, well, I have like the cred of a bunch of people going like, you guys were the best, man. It should have been you guys. You should have been the most popular or whatever. And I think those people, a lot of those people, I'm sure, would go like, I would trade that in for just being Coldplay. You know, I would uh, do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> so it's interesting. But yeah, but I know what you mean, especially with things that are super popular where you're just going like, yeah, I, I do like, you know, I'm one of those people. <laughs> when I was thinking about your your podcast, which as of this recording, there's a couple of episodes have come out. And I was listening to the Director's Cut podcast, the DGA podcast the other day, mm -hmm. and uh, Drew Goddard was on there talking about bad times at the El Royale. So I think of him as a vibrant visionary. He's a, a writer, you know, and a director. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that when he is in writer mode, when he's writing mm -hmm. a film, he's more in the introvert creative space. Mm, interesting. Like he kind of puts that side of him to bed when he's going to be the director. Like he doesn't want to bring the, mm. the writer with him. Oh, interesting. And when he's directing, he's he's the extrovert side. And I was wondering about that with cooking or what you've you've discovered so far do you enjoy cooking 
like by yourself and then presenting something to someone else? Or do you like having somebody in there with you when it, when it's safe <laughs> to do <laughs> sure, so? Yes. Right. To collaborate in the kitchen or like, Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely do. I like both of them. I don't know. And it's, it's really interesting. I would say I definitely do like cooking just like on my own and kind of, you know, on a Sunday afternoon doing a project, maybe even one that takes a long time and kind of doing all the steps and checking in on it and doing different things going like, okay, you know, to my, to my wife, Haley, like, and okay. And now it's dinner and here's this, and this is what I made. But we also really enjoy cooking together. And we particularly enjoy doing that for like dinner parties and stuff. Um, We have like an Oscar party every year. And for the past several years, we've just gone completely over the top in terms of what we're making, like, we got to go to San Sebastian last year and that which was really super cool and just such an amazing like food related trip that we were able to go on and with her family and they do a thing in the Basque country called pinchos which are like they're not exactly they're kind of like tapas but they're also not pincho is like a discrete dish or like plate of food whereas pinchos is kind of like oh, it could just be like a thing of, of meat or a thing of cheese. Like it's kind of a, there's almost a charcuterie overlap there. Okay. But they're like, they're bar snacks, basically. They're, and it's mm-hmm. a big thing, big like cultural thing there and people go out for them and it's super fun and, you know, collaborative. And so we were going like, oh, well, that seems kind of perfect for our Oscar party because we can just be making stuff and, and bringing it out. But we've done a lot of stuff like that for the for the past several years. We did one where we did all pizzas. We did one where we did all dumplings. We did one where we just did various types of different savory pancakes from around the world. Like we've done a bunch of different Mm. things like that. Um, And then we also like just having, you know, another couple over or another four or five or whatever people. And we, we just really liked the presentation of it and the just like, you know, people being able to sit down and it's just sort of like, okay. And then we bring the stuff out and whatever. But I do think like even then you do, it's like almost like we're like a unit ourselves. And then I think as many people that have had dinner parties where, where you, you you find where kind of people come in and they're like, oh, can we do anything to to help? I wish I did have something I wanted, I could tell them like to do. Um, and it would be great because maybe I kind of do need help right now. But if I have to take a second to be like, uh, actually, yeah, do this. And also our kitchen is super small mm-hmm. that we almost find ourselves being like, uh, we kind of just want to get you out in the living room and give you a cocktail. And then, you know, one of us will be out in 60 seconds to kind of like hang out while the other person sort of finishes up the whatever we're doing. And I think it's maybe something we need to be better at. But I do think there is a weird, there's a weird almost like, we're like extroverted in that moment, hopefully with our friends, but we're also like introverted within the unit of two where we're just sort of going like, we're in very close communication with each other and kind of trying to have a good experience for our guests while also sort of like, you know, maybe being a little behind the eight ball on the over ambitious thing that we've created. And I think what we've hopefully been better at is trying to not then let that stress leak out into the guest experience. Um, yeah, totally. There's even larger than that. There's the sort of like when you're in a family setting and you're sort of, you know, we're making Thanksgiving dinner, which we've kind of been lucky enough to be big participants in, like for the past few years with my family, trying to negotiate all that. I think what I definitely have found is like, it's tough for me to chat and cook at the very same time. And it's something I want to get better at because I do think it's like that can sort of help that situation be more fluid when you do, you are in a larger kitchen and there's guests coming in and it's like a big Thanksgiving thing or whatever. Like I almost want to be better at being able to talk and cook at the same time rather than just going like, you know, that that's when those introvert and extrovert selves are very much in intention, I feel like. As I was listening to you, I was thinking about my own experience because I, I also enjoy I enjoy entertaining. I enjoy cooking. My husband and I work well, but what we've learned, because our kitchen, it, it's actually fairly large, but it's a weird, there's no natural triangle. Like the sink mm. is on one side, oh. <laughs> then, oh. then the um, 
Yeah, then the stove and the uh, fridge are on the other, and then uh-huh. we we got an island to put in the middle, mm-hmm. so that there's some mm-hmm. sort of bridge. Oh, that's cool. There's a real bottleneck too between the kitchen <laughs> and the living room. Sure. Like just this morning, he stepped over to the office to move out of the way so that I could walk from the kitchen to the living room, and I said, "Oh, I'm actually going to the office." So he uh-huh. said, oh, "I couldn't be more in your way." And then my dog <laughs> Pokey was right in the middle, so actually we couldn't move anywhere because she's blocking every entrance with her Pokey. 17 pound body. Come on, Pokey. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, what the things I've learned to do are a, to set some boundaries. So to say, you know, this kitchen just isn't big enough for me to socialize and like to advocate for my own sanity Yes. You know what, guys, go ahead and go out back if it's a back patio thing. And right. the um if they say, Can I help? I'll say, Yes, can you take well I'll have like a um launching station, you know, where mm-hmm. I've already prepped salads. I've already yes. prepped yes. or I'll have a bowl with a bag of chips sitting in the bowl. So I'll just say, mm-hmm. take these with you on the way back. Cause that's sure. where <laughs> mostly you know, and then people feel like they have a little thing that they've done, but oh, it's not overly complicated. I love that. Yes. It's almost like you're creating tasks for like a little, like a kid to do or something. Exactly. So that feel exactly. Useful. exactly. That's genius. Yes. And then, yeah, I think prep for everything, uh, whether it's Thanksgiving or anything else. And my mom actually hosted Thanksgiving this year and my anxiety level went up because I was thinking, oh, my mom's place is not that big. And the kid, Mm -hmm. she and I usually kind of are bumping elbows and I don't want to cut anybody with a knife. You know, I like, I want safety. I want, Yeah. yeah, I want, um, trust, like you said, is a big part of it. And it actually went absolutely seamlessly because she she cooked the turkey she did a great job she had pre kind of pre-cooked you know things so they just needed a little bit of warming and then Mm -hmm. pretty much the rest of us brought cold stuff so i was like oh Mm -hmm. i made this beet and goat cheese and walnut salad that had been marinating since the day before with like a gingery dressing and um it was so fun and so relaxing to just go i'm bringing this it is ready. Here is the spoon. (laughs) Here is the bowl. It's perfectly contained. I definitely feel like when I'm making the food, I kind of just want to be in my own zone and not really be interrupted. And I'm not, I'm not seamless in that. And, and I want to be a good host. So I think prepping food beforehand is, is my key. And then, yeah, letting, giving people simple, like you said, kind of childlike tasks, (laughs) (laughs) but the tasks move them out of the kitchen. (laughs) Yes. Very smart. Like kind of knowing what the rhythm of the evening is going to be in advance. If we're doing multiple courses and kind of trying to have as much stuff prepped as possible. But then if it's sort of like, okay, we have everything prepped, but then it all has to be combined at the last second letting one person kind of get up from the table and the other person, you know, go in the other room and and kind of finish the thing and then have the other person hang out. And that way you don't just have like, oh, we have, you know, a married couple over and then we're both in the kitchen while they're just sitting in our living room. They've, they've talked to each other. They're good. They're they're coming over here so we can all socialize. You know what I mean? Bouncing back and forth like that is is has been kind of critical for us but yeah i i i think what you were talking about with the thanksgiving thing like with the fam with the different family members that's definitely what we've found even in my own like immediate family which is who we've mostly done thanksgiving with for the past few years with a couple of additional uh, other extended family members coming over is like communicating in advance amongst the family of like who's going to do what who wants to make what who feels excited about making a thing. So you don't have to feel like you're getting stuck with making X, Y, or Z thing. And then also just trying to figure out, okay, who's, how much oven space do we have? Who's going to need it when that's all stuff that I really like and, and, and Haley's the same way. So we get excited about that. I love nothing more than I do sometimes love opening up a spreadsheet or I definitely love opening up a Google doc and, you know, maybe even like Haley really likes to color code stuff, you know, like we like, we like that. We like the sort of uh, the the prep, you know, the... Uh, you like the Leslie noping of it all. <laughs> yes, yes, like. exactly. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm uh yeah, we're uh, similar Brian and I. I think we really like to like part of the fun of hosting something to me is oh, yeah. the logistics of yes. the garbage cans and recyclables will be <laughs> easy to to see mm-hmm. and yet not glaringly, you know, in your eyeline. Yet when you when you're going to finish doing this, it will be right there and and uh, anticipating your needs. <laughs> oh genius. If people yeah, that are really <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and then if people are new to my home, like having signage for where the restroom is, so it's easy, and 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 that also helps, you know, you as a host too, right? You're yes answering less questions if it's easy to see where the trash cans are and where the um, bathroom is. That's very smart. That was something I was realizing at our Oscar party this year. We have to get better at because our trash can that's like that we use and our recycles are are all under our sink which is all the way like all the way on the other side of the kitchen from where anyone would be and so like i said it's a really small space so if one of us is in there somebody might have to cross and go like oh wait wait where's the trash where's the whatever and i was realizing this year i was like ah yeah we got to get better about peeling one of these off and, and putting it out where people can again exactly what you said where people can see it, but also not where it's just sort of like, this is now the trash can party that we're, we're all gathered around the trash <laughs> can for a rollicking good time. Uh, um, so some of the other topics I was talking about, like I mentioned at the top, I like to talk with people who have multiple creative interests. Something I don't know if I've discussed very much is that people who are creative and you know myself included that we may have a Leslie Nope side of ourselves where we are getting out the spreadsheets and doing things that are precise mm-hmm. and planned but that also there's the other side which is just our creative muse or whims or things that grab our attention like you mentioned that cooking previously wasn't something that was of great interest and then or at least this is how i understood what you're saying and then at a certain point in your life it became more interesting yes to the point of which you've now hosting a podcast around that subject <laughs> right. so yeah. like, what goes into deciding to move forward with a project and have it be like a new focus that oh wow that's a really good question that I have had different approaches or different kind of phases of that, I guess, throughout my life. Like right out of college, I was in various like comedy groups and stuff, various sort of like sketch comedy groups, in which case, you know, for the most part, your focus is determined by, you know, sketch video that we're going to make, or in the case of my comedy group Derek that I was in, we made an independent movie. Ultimately, you're also negotiating other people's desires and where other people are wanting to go in their careers and their artistic lives. And the more, obviously, the more your goals are aligned, the easier that is going to be. I was working with a couple of people in the group, my friends, Dan and Meggie, in like a writing partnership. And we, for several years, were trying to adapt this book that I had written, this novel, The Boy You Couldn't Sleep and Never Had To, into a feature film. Again, it was that was almost like a combination of group and self uh, projects or, or motivations where it's like, oh, it's based on this thing that I wrote, but the three of us are trying to make this movie based off of it. We're writing the screenplay together. You know, Dan, who's a director, will ultimately direct it throughout those different group collaborations. I was also trying to figure out at different times, like, what am I working on by myself? And basically maybe if, you know, we're working on one thing, but then I might be working on something else by myself. And how are those things kind of like, usually not overlapping as much as possible because you're getting more of your different creative needs or desires or whatever addressed by different aspects of these different things that you're working on. And then there's other things where, thankfully, I've been able to work as a writer or an actor on different stuff, but that has all been kind of like work for hire things where it's definitely creative to varying degrees, I will say. Um, but <laughs> these all the, all the stuff I'm referring to is all things where it's just like, this is me or a group of people in a vacuum 
trying to create something that we can put out into the world and then maybe hopefully get paid for the earlier, the better. For myself in this past year, I the podcast, I think, ultimately became one of those things because, I don't know, for, for a number of different reasons, I guess, one of which is for the past seven, eight years, I guess, at this point, I have been really into home cooking. And I've also, for the past however long, podcasts have been a prevalent thing in the comedy community, I would say maybe 11, 12 years at this point, almost. Mm -hmm. I've been sort of going like, I like being on podcasts. I like doing them. What is something that I feel like is worth the effort? I ultimately realized, oh, for me, it's home cooking. And it was in conversation with Haley, my wife, going like, I think I want to do something about home cooking, but I'm not really sure what it would be. And her just being like, yeah, just like have somebody over and you make something and then you talk. And I was like, oh, okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds cool to me. I can get my head around what that looks like. That provides enough sort of incentive or excitement for me to be like, there's not something exactly like this. So I won't just feel like I'm just doing, I'm just doing exactly the thing everybody else is doing, but it's me instead, you know? Right. And then just the idea that people could maybe get into cooking or cooking more through it was exciting to me because I know that it's been so important to me in so many different ways. So that was kind of what ended up making that one take the leap from thing I kind of want to do to thing that I'm I'm actively trying to do to then now in the past few weeks, like thing that I'm actively releasing to the world and that has been good. And then now I'm in the place that I always felt like I would find myself where I'm going like, oh, now I got to keep doing it. (laughs) Right. That was an incentive or a thing that was appealing at at the beginning was sort of like, oh, I've sort of been, you know, I've been, like I said, in this writing partnership or been working on my own for the past several years and trying to make things that then somebody would buy and would go out into the world, you know, would get made hopefully and would go out into the world in, in some form. And that not really having happened very many times and just sort of going like, oh, what's the thing that I can make and just put out there myself and be in more regular contact with people that want to experience or enjoy something that I make. And this seemed like a good option for that. And then now it's sort of, you know, it's the other side of the coin where it's like, well, you wanted to do it. So now you got to keep doing it. And an artistic muscle that I haven't flexed in a long time is I'm going to commit to a certain schedule of actively putting something out there in the world and I'm going to stick to it. I'm in the early stages of that and building that muscle up again. I don't know if I really answered your question. No, that's why I'm calling this actually season two of my podcast, even though there wasn't really a break between season one and season two, except for uh, the uh, pandemic interruption. But of course, a couple of things that I felt like I wanted to expound and expand upon were talking about more about the nitty gritty of the creative process and what people's lives are really like when they are people who do many different creative things sure. to um, share more stories about how to prevent burnout and how to complete projects. And so I just wrote those on a piece of paper and it says prevent burnout, complete projects. So Yeah. So asking that question, there wasn't like a, I'm hoping DC gives me this clear, concise answer. It is more of a rumination on like, yeah, you're doing things that are creative projects with other people where you're collaborating, but then also these things that are working for other people where the paycheck is coming in and you were inspired to do the podcast. And then the podcast has an element of continuation unless you decide to call it a you know limited series which you could (laughs) do of course at any time if something changes or you decide like it's kind of running out of steam but um yeah uh, what i found with this podcast and this will be episode 34 of vibrant visionaries is that tuning into when it starts to feel like a chore and a drag like emotionally, how am I responding to the idea of recording or editing the next episode and yeah. being an indie podcaster, I'm doing it all on my own and and then and then being excited to promote it and and share it with everybody is that the first response for me that as an indication that I need a little time off is that I can tell it doesn't sound fun. 
And uh, <laughs> so that's one of the things. Last year, I got to speak at this wonderful conference called She Podcasts Live Conference. Mm-hmm. I got to speak on burnout and pod fade. And so, yeah, one of the things I talked about was um, doing things in seasons or just remembering that ultimately this is your creative project. So if you're starting to not have fun with it, stop and think about what might be, like you said, you know, right now you have this tagline, but maybe a new tagline will emerge or maybe yes. a new focus will will emerge as you um, continue to record these and find you'll find maybe new focus and inspiration. But yeah, to never be um, resistant to those new changes and, and yeah. it, it makes it more interesting for people to uh, listen to, I think, too, when you're not like, I have decided, again, it's a black and white thinking thing and not doing that. I have decided my podcast is on this. That's what I said. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. it. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's so, yeah, it's been a really interesting, it's, you know, this, I basically started trying to get the podcast out in the world about a year ago. I started by, you know, going to different networks and and originally pitching it around mostly because I was going, okay, like, this is something that I've always thought like, oh, that would be cool. It would, would be, would be neat. I think I'd be good at that. I think I would enjoy that. But then conversely going like, I never want to have to be like recording it and editing it myself because I just feel like, again, not my, like we were talking about, not my wheelhouse, not my skill set, whatever. I'm not that. Mm -hmm person, right? And I just had a vision of of the feeling of like being a kid again and you put off doing your homework and then it's the night before and you're having to stay up way too late. And now I'm an, an, a, a grown up and I don't like staying up late that much anymore. And you know, just going like, oh God, that would be, oh, that would be the pits, right? And then you know, basically did a pilot of the podcast at one network and they ultimately, you know, sent it upstairs to their their parent company and the parent company said ah we're not really feeling this we kind of feel like the cooking needs to be more present in it because at that point I wasn't really even cooking on mic I was just kind of retroactively talking about the process a little bit but kind of thinking yeah people can go find the recipe online I don't feel confident in myself as that voice of this is what you should do or cook or now chop this up that's not what I feel like I'm bringing to the table. So I'm not going to do that. They ultimately, like I said, you know, basically we're going like the cooking process isn't as present in this as we would like it to be, but we also can't figure out what that would look like. So we're not going to do it. So I was like, okay, great. That's fine. I understand that. Took it around to a couple of different places. And the next place that again, gratefully wanted to potentially do it ended up saying like, Hey, we, yeah, we like this, but we feel like the cooking process needs to be more present. And as somebody who you know, has to get notes, but also like, you know, uh, in various different ways throughout my career on various different things. Something that I've always tried to take to heart is like, if you're getting the same note, it's one thing to get a note from somebody and be like, ah, I don't think they know what they're talking about. I think they're kind of off base with this one. I think I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to go ahead and keep doing it. But when you get the same note from different people, or you can tell people are all kind of reacting in a similar way to a certain part of your thing that you didn't intend. That's really something to look at. You should always kind of be open to feedback, but that's really something where you want to go like, I want to be extra open right now. So I realized, oh, maybe they're right. Maybe I do need to include that more. And the um, person I was working with at the network, at that network basically said like, what if it was you on mic and you were kind of narrating the process? And originally I was just like, I really don't want to do that. That's not what I thought I was going to do at all. That feels like a YouTube cooking tutorial. (laughs) And then I thought about it a little bit more and I thought, oh, it sounds kind of cool. And then at the same time, I saw that um, Melissa Clark, who is like a New York Times cooking editor or, uh, you know, she's very, very high up person at New York Times cooking, who I really like, had started a podcast that's literally like literally that week is literally just that, where it's just her and going like, hey, here's something you can make quick on a weeknight. And it's just her in her kitchen talking. And I listened to it and I was like, well, first of all, she's Melissa Clark. This is like literally what she does all the time. But listening to just her being in the kitchen, I went like, oh, yeah, this this seems this is cool. This is a proof of concept for myself of like that can be an engaging thing to listen to. And I'm going like, well, that can be a part of what I'm doing. Let me at least give it a try. Right. So we did another pilot basically that was that was that. 
And then ultimately that network went, was going through some changes and stuff and blah, blah, blah. And for different reasons, they ultimately decided after several months, like we, we can't, we also can't take a flyer on this new kind of more ambitious podcast right now at this moment. So I was sort of left with at that point, you know, I'd pitched to various different places and I was looking at it going like, I think, I think if I want to do this, I'm going to have to do the thing I always didn't want to do, which is do it on my own. It was a kind of a gut check moment of going like, how badly do I want to do this? Do I want to do this so badly that I'm going to have to do the thing that I always didn't want to do in order to do it, which was record it and edit it myself? And ultimately, what I determined was like, let me at least try. And it really felt like this is the part that I'm always trying to avoid. This is the thing that I really don't want to do because I'm worried that it will trigger some part of my personality where I won't follow through, you know, mm. that that's definitely something that I struggle with. And, and you talk about like completing projects and different things. And that's a, that's a whole other thing that we, that I'm happy to, to get into because it's 1 million percent something that I struggle with. But I sort of, at that moment, I went, you know what? I do want to do this. I want to get this thing out here and I want to do it badly enough that yes, I will at least take on trying to do the thing that I never wanted to do, which is record it myself and edit it myself. It's, I won't lie and say like, and I magically was great at it right away. <laughs> but another thing that I definitely have been trying to get better at over the past several years and have worked on in therapy and have read different books about and blah, 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 is going like, you need to get over the thing. You were sort of you, I'm speaking of me right now, mm -hmm. overly rewarded for being a kid that was good at reading way younger than other kids were. And it gave you this false expectation or this desire to be good at things right away and be good at them faster than your peers and, and just be sort of preternaturally brilliant at them. And if you can't do that with something right away, then you don't want to do it anymore because you don't like to and you're not used to the feeling of not having that immediate affirmation or that immediate reward. And this feels like a very, on the one hand, it's, I will say, it is obviously incredibly low, low stakes, especially given the state of the world at the moment. But it, to me, felt like a somewhat, at least in, uh, on my interior, creative, personal life, a pretty high stakes challenge of like, this is the thing you're always worried about. You won't follow through on something. And this isn't just not following through on finishing one project one time, although that's something that I've definitely struggled with. This is a project that you, will, you are challenging yourself to continually start and finish every single week on a schedule. And that is that continues to be intimidating to me. But at this moment, and granted, I'm only two weeks into actually putting it out there in the world. But it's something that is also every exactly what you like. When I put it out there, I'm really excited about it because I go, that's another time that I got better at doing the thing that I really, really didn't want to do. Yeah. You know, out there, there are so many quotes about creative process or about like leaning into the discomfort or, you know, this is where the magic happens between sure. this and this, you know, and it's like the level, the area where you feel uncomfortable. And that's a really great example, the way you put it like, oh, yeah, when I was younger, there are certain things I was just naturally good at. And then when I got when now that I'm a little older and I'm seeing, oh, this doesn't feel <laughs> this is the last thing I wanted to do. I didn't want to edit it myself and all that. I'd, I'd like to have partners that are, you know, that I can hand this off to. I feel like the benefits of forcing yourself to lean into uncharted territories, the areas that you're not, like you said, preternaturally have a proclivity for is that you get to learn you get to fail, learn, fail, learn, fail, learn, you know, with the editing and mm -hmm. all that. And I've, I've definitely had one of my early episodes I had worked on for hours and hours and hours of editing, and then it just completely disappeared. And there wasn't a back, oh. you know, there was a backup. I mean, I was able, it's... there was an original, but you know, I'd worked right. on it for hours yeah. and then the, oh. the one I'd been editing for hours and hours just totally pfft, 
you know, disappeared and I had to oh. go back and start from scratch. To share part of my process, like I would love to be able to hire somebody else to edit, like find a right fit of an editor and hire someone else to edit. That is a goal of mine for this year. And part of my Patreon goals, like my first goal for Patreon would be to get a certain amount of money that I can start hiring somebody else to edit because mostly because of the time consumption, but I've enjoyed learning editing because that's like part of my curation brain, I'd say. Like, oh, sure. I'm one of those people that has like my um, phone is loaded up with just some of my most favorite songs of all time. Whereas my husband will be like, I'll just throw, you know, 20 albums on there and then put it on shuffle. And right. he's he's in for that adventure where I'm like more <laughs> of a curator of my experiences. Sure, yes, yes. Definitely <laughs> <related to> that. <laughs> but yeah, kind of learning about getting the levels and getting the best sound possible and editing out most of the um you knows but not all of the um you knows (laughs) has been an enriching experience for me and then yeah if i found a a great fit for a a podcast network i would love to be part of a podcast network that's a, a right fit for me but i have enjoyed the bootstrap side of it for now and and you'll be refining a product, you know, that you can decide will always be something that that's your DIY DC or something that somebody along along the way might say, we're ready now, we're ready to have your podcast be part of our podcast community. I think so. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same, I think we're, we're definitely in the same boat in that respect where it's on the one hand, it was frustrating because I felt like, oh, I would have been wonderfully positioned like five years ago when they were to borrow a a thing that I I feel like I heard a comic say once about like stand up in the eighties, like they were handing, they're handing out podcasts at the airport. (laughs) If you're a comedian that obviously has contributed to this like giant explosion of comedy and comedy adjacent podcasts that then now has led to a giant explosion of, because of the popularity in that space of and obviously, there's been other types of podcasts throughout the years that are not comedy podcasts. This is just the one that I've primarily been exposed to. So that's how I am kind of interpreting the narrative. Yeah, likewise. That's then now led to, okay, well, why would we have two random people recap The Office on a podcast when these two women who are the stars of The Office are going to recap it for you? You know what right. I mean? Like, it's sort of led to this weird snake eating its own tail effect where it was like, wait a minute, podcasting was was theoretically the democratic thing that everybody could do. And it got so popular that now it made sense for people who already have quite a bit of money to, to do it to make more money. And then does anybody still want the thing that's just somebody in their apartment kind of being like, this is just me, man. I, there was definitely a certain level of like, feeling like, oh, man, I wish I'd figured this out sooner when I felt like I could have just had the and again, this is probably all imaginary, but like that I could have, you know, for myself kind of, well, a bunch of my friends have podcasts on Earwolf. I could have just been like, hey, can I have a podcast on Earwolf? And they would have been like, sure, absolutely. But I also think like there's something to on my own for my own interior sort of experience and the stuff that I've been working on. I know that having gone through this experience, whatever the outcome is of having to do this all by myself that I really didn't want to do will be beneficial because I'm sort of breaking the seal on a thing that I never thought that I could do. Absolutely. We get to put this under the umbrella of of knowledge and, you know, on the CV or the body of work is like, now here's another thing that I can do. And, and you just don't know what opportunities are around the corner where you producing this podcast on your own is going to benefit that next project possibility. Absolutely. Yeah, no, exactly. I think um, that's something that I've always tried that I've, you know, and I've done some teaching and I've done some different things. And that is something that I have always tried to communicate to others and often need to remind myself of is that sometimes it makes sense to do things that maybe you're not even initially super excited about if an opportunity comes up because you just don't know where certain things are going to lead. 
then other times you find yourself being like, well, I kind of got to take this thing because it's the only thing out there. And you just never know where that's going to lead in a really cool way. Like you can't, you, you just, you know, sometimes it makes sense to be a lot more, as you were saying, curatorial. And other times it makes sense to be the person who you're not just waiting for the perfect opportunity to knock on your door. You're going out there and kind of shaking the, shaking the trees a little bit, I think. And good to realize that you don't have to be super binary in going like, well, now I'm this person and I can never be open to a bunch of weird random opportunities again. I am the person who can shift back and forth between those approaches as my life and my interests uh, dictate. Right. It's a, it's a benefit that you have flexibility in a lot of different interests and it can be something that other people see as, as an asset rather than sometimes just the singular, I think the singular focus or the singular, you know, best baker of this or the best maker of that Yeah, in the past has been more highly praised. And now we, we get to see how um, flexibility and having a wide skill set is so beneficial and, and more fun. So the other thing too, about trying things, even if you're not super excited or, or trying things that initially excite you, and then you start to lose interest is that it also can be a great way to go. You know what? I gave that a whirl. That's not my jam and that's okay. And maybe it'll be my jam in the future. Or maybe like once this app is developed, that works a lot better. Like the barrier of entry is lower. Maybe it'll be my jam in the future, but that's another thing I think that's important about trying new things is I went in and took um, table tennis lessons Cool. last year and realized like just how fun and easy it was for me to do it. When I was younger, I'd play ping pong and go like, oh, I like this. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and go be an adult that's learning table tennis. Yeah, <laughs> it was really, absolutely. Really, like super, super fun. And I, I reconnected to my um, young, more consistently physically active self. It was like, oh, this is a pretty low barrier of entry as far as like, I mean, you can work up a sweat doing it, but you can start at like a fairly low level of physical activity and then sort of move into it. And I think that's the other thing too, is like set yourself up for success, Yes, whether it's podcasting yes. or anything else is like, ask for help, ask the stupid questions and mm-hmm. find and invest in the things that are going to make it a little bit a little bit easier for you so you're not just starting with an uphill battle ahead of you only. Yes, that is the other thing. And it's something that I, I think we ended up talking about on the first episode of the podcast that I did with Emily Gordon. But something that I always try to remind myself of is that I can't remember where I heard it. I want to say maybe it was in the book Mindset that my therapist recommended to me that was super interesting of just about like, you know, being in a basically a growth mindset versus a sort of fixed mindset, basically. Right. But mm-hmm. I feel like it was in that book where they were, he was talking about, you know, nobody's mad at a baby for not knowing how to walk. Like babies have never, they've never done it before. Like it's an in super, it's a super complicated process. Nobody's like, damn it, baby, why can't you walk already? <laughs> and just totally. about anything that you might want to attempt is probably that level of, of, complexity and you see people be so good at it and you go, I could never be that good. So I'm never even going to start. And it's like, no, you have to have, you have to allow for that period of awkward. Like my, my friends have just had a, had a baby about a year ago and she's now up and kind of walking around. And it's so cute and funny where it's like, when I see videos of it, it's almost like she's not even fully walking in concert with her legs. It's almost like she's like riding her legs. Like they might walk for a while and she's going to, she's going to ride these legs wherever they go. And when they decide it's time to not walk anymore, okay, we're going to fall down. And it's so sweet to watch. And I think you have to allow it's, it's great. And I think also you have to allow for that for yourself as an adult in like anything that you might want to do that you've never done before. Yeah. I think that mindset growth mindset. And what I talk about a lot too, is the self-compassion mindset is, yeah, treating yourself as you would treat a baby or your beloved pet or loved one. And in that you were kind to yourself when you are stumbling through learning something new and that you treat yourself 
in a friendly fashion and that that mm-hmm. can be a, a mindset shift that's very powerful to help you move forward with things more quickly because you're going, oh, wow, I'm like stumbling through this. And mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't this exciting? Isn't this an adventure? And that's one of my mindset shifts that I have discussed, especially on um, an episode I did where I talked with someone that helps you learn how to get more comfortable with doing your own taxes and just owning your numbers and money and all that. It's like, yeah, we're not born knowing how to do these spreadsheets and get comfortable with our numbers. And a lot of emotions come up depending on our relationship to money. And oh, and so wow, yeah. <laughs> to be kind to yourself, it's one of the themes I'm exploring a lot in um, working with creatives as a professional coach. I'm partnering with people to help them focus in and finish their projects and not burn out. The keys to that include this self-compassion, self-kindness mindset shift, and to also to explore to the degree that you can, like why it's so much so often that we just default to self punishment and thinking like, oh, I have to be hustling myself to death, or I have to work harder instead of smarter, or that somehow we deserve to punish ourselves. And that that's, you know, whether you've been brought up like with Catholic guilt or Protestant work ethic, or whatever it is that that seems like this jerky (laughs) inner voice Sometimes it's so inner, you don't even hear the exact words. You just know that somehow certain days you feel much more rotten about yourself or for certain moments in time, you um, get so mad at yourself for not producing quickly or being clear and being able to move forward with your goals with this clarity. And that sometimes it's just because there's some little voice in there that's hatching plans of... um, negative thought and you got to just kind of address that and not ignore it and then say you know what I don't really believe this anymore you know that's what we're going for it's like oh no that's not true about me actually I'm I'm really good at following through on things it just sometimes takes longer than I expected or there's more steps and hoops than I was expecting but but that's okay and I think with the completing project things that like you said, like when you're watching a baby learn to walk, (laughs) that yeah, that we're always doing that with new things. And that's part of the excitement and adventure in life, not something to get discouraged about. Absolutely. And the thing that I am, I am having to, one of the, those things right now for me and for a lot of people I know is working from, working from home and finding that balance and whatever. So with that, I have to say, I have to, uh, hop off here in a second to to do a unexpected work call that I did not anticipate. I'm sorry about that. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> We've had a nice, long conversation. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me on a whole bunch of different subjects. And, and I know everybody's really gonna enjoy this episode. So before we wrap up, let people know the usuals where people can connect with you. And uh, again, the name of the podcast and anything else you would like to share right now. Yeah, well, first off, I definitely will be listening back to that part that you were just talking about, about being kinder to yourself about finishing stuff. I definitely have, you know, various projects at various stages and things where I have to kind of break out of even my own self-perception about myself and about finishing things. So so thank you for that. Even just as like the first listener to this episode, I <laughs> appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter at DC Pearson, P-I-E-R-S-O-N, and then on Instagram at D-E-E-C-E-E Pearson, uh, because I got on literally last year and all the names are taken. (laughs) Uh, Then my podcast is called Stay for Dinner. I think it's pretty much available wherever podcasts are potted. By all means, if there's a a platform or a a thing that you like that it's not on, let me know and I'll, I'll get it there. Uh, that's about it. I think that's, that's where everybody can find me. Oh, and then my, my books are, if you're looking for reading material uh, through being indoors and whatever that looks like for you right now um, are available on Audible. And then also, you know, you can get them in stores or, or, you know, wherever you can get books online, but also they're available in ebook and probably also maybe from your local library in, in ebook right now. They're called The Boy Who Couldn't Sleep and Never Had To. And then my other novel that's more of kind of a young adult one, but also has, has appeal for, for grownups 
is uh, called Crap Kingdom, and they're both kind of coming of age fantasy or or sci-fi things that um, I think people would uh, people would enjoy if you're the kind of person that, that likes that kind of thing. Sweet. Thank you for talking a little bit more about what those books are actually about, too, because I feel like when I've listened to you on other podcasts, I'm like, well, I know the titles of these books, but I still don't really know what they're about. So thanks for the the extended book bio, if you will. I mean, one of them's only been out for 10 years. I'm finally figuring out how to sell it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, thanks again so much. And as just a reminder for everyone and for those who are new listeners, again, my name is Heidi Bennett. You can find out about my partnering with super creatives to help them get their projects done and be kind to themselves and not burn out at HeidiBennett.com. You can find all the podcast episodes at VibrantVisionaries.com. There's filmmakers, cartoonists, comedians, writers, all sorts of people. And um, thanks, DC. All right. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Bye. Thanks, Heidi. I really appreciate it. It was really fun. (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay. Ciao for now.